Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello everyone, my name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong and welcome to MedHeads. Today we have with us our regular guest, Craig Payne. Good morning, Craig. How are you? Yeah, all as well. Thanks, Fergal. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So continuing our journey discussing the themes that are relevant to drug recovery, let's talk about behavioral change and behavior. How important is the concept of behavior in recovery? How, how important is it? Uh, I think it's crucial to achieving and uh, ultimately maintaining long-term abstinence. So achieving abstinence, so behavior. So I think, you know, this is a big idea that I had to come across. In terms of behaviors, cessation of drug use isn't of itself a behavior, but if you just think that recovery is that, you've missed the boat. You, 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 there's so much more to recovery than just, oh, I stopped drugs. Tell us a bit more about uh, your views on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that, that's the big <clears throat> thing is, um, you know, if it was as easy as just stopping using the substances, you'd walk out of a detox and seven days later you'd be fixed. But yeah. um, it's, it's all those old patterns of thinking and those behaviours that, that go with, uh, with your life up until that point um, mm. that need to be addressed and looked at so that you can start to um, manage situations better and yeah. prevent those emotional spikes and those ups and downs that ultimately make you want to run and use. So it's important to realize then that behaviors are a function of thinking. And thinking causes behavior, but also it's important to realize that behavior causes thinking. Yep. So we've talked previously about esteem. And our friend and colleague, Oscar Grano, has used a phrase which I, I like very much. He said that if we want self-esteem, we, we need to commit estimable behaviors. So we need, if we, if we need to um, behave in a way that is congruent with the attitudes and beliefs and values that we aspire to. Because if there is that incongruence Absolutely. between behavior and, and value, that just turns, sends us into a tailspin, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you can't keep living life the same way and expect to get different results. And so whatever's been happening for you up until this point that um, have been the major drivers to, to your addiction um, need to be addressed and need to be changed. And the way you handle situations, the way you, um, yeah, just get through life needs to be looked at. So let's talk about that. So, I mean, you know, handling situations. I often think that you come over as very Buddhist in your thinking. I've heard you speak professionally and you do come over very Buddhist. When you say the following, we can't necessarily change our situation. <clears throat> we can't necessarily change how people act to us. But we can change our reaction to them and we can change our behavior. Give us an example of that. Well, I just think um, when anything doesn't go your way, it's easy to sit and blame 
or to say, well, this was my circumstance. This is why why things ended up they were the way they were. Um, but my thoughts around these things are to start to find solutions for yourself. So um, if self-esteem is identified as, as an issue uh, and, and that's something that keeps you trapped in addiction, then start to look at uh, things that will help your self-esteem. Um, if relationships are an issue, then start to do some work on relationships. You know, like whatever it is that, that's happening, when problems arise, instead of, getting stuck in the problem instead of reacting that oh, the world's against me or that things have gone wrong, start to look at the solutions and how you might move forwards. And start to look at the behavior that you engage in and how different or, or, or close it is to the values that you espouse. Yeah, like I suppose if, uh, say, say in a relationship, if um, Communication can be really can be difficult at times, and you know some some people really struggle with that. Then, I would suggest starting to work on communication skills um, yeah. and yeah. conflict resolution, maybe being a big one within that, because yeah. being able to handle difficult conversations is yeah. really is is key. And yeah. so that's where things like um, uh, distress tolerance and emotion regulation come into things, yeah. and interpersonal effectiveness. <clears throat> Yeah. So these are all attitudes and skills that we learn that will ultimately allow us to regulate our behavior. And as, especially if you see drug use as a reaction to negative emotions, distress, that is a behavior that is reacting to an emotion or, or a distress. We now need to change that behavior into something more positive. So it's not just enough to stop drug use because we still experience the day-to-day -day traumas, you know, the conflict, the interpersonal relationships, the, the, you know, the, the experiences that, that, that highlight our own personal lack of self-esteem. So we still have that maelstrom of negative emotion in our bellies rumbling away. And now we need to change our behavior. So instead of resorting to drugs, we need to change that behavior to learn a new set of behaviors skills, activities, to actually, to actually learn how to manage that maelstrom of negative emotion. Yeah, and that takes changing your daily routine. That takes yes. changing, um, cha changing everything up. And yes. so challenging yourself to do things differently yeah. and, like, and, and grounding yourself more throughout the day. I was talking with yes. someone during the week and, um, you know, the more things that you can do to start, whether it's meditation at the start of the day and go for your mm. walk and get yourself into that routine, yeah, um, yeah. these are the things that are going to keep you more grounded. And so yeah. hopefully when things do go awry, your, um, yeah. your ability to regulate emotion and recognize that you need that yeah, yeah. is greater. So there are a number of points I'd like to just clarify here. So, I mean, we've talked, we've touched on the sources of distress. So we had low self-esteem, relationship problems, life situations, conflict, right? So esteem, uh, relationships, and conflict. Yep. And then we've touched on the, the need to change the behaviors that we've learned to deal with those, those distresses. And now you've talked about, you know, the behavioral management of lifestyle, right? So the first, it's something that you've said to me there that just pricks up my interest. And that is, you know, getting up in the morning, exercising, meditating, mindfulness. So let's talk about that. I mean, you know, you know we've touched on this before, but routine 
is so important. So setting up that, that recovery routine of getting up in the morning, having breakfast, going for a walk or doing some exercise, that is absolutely crucial. Now, as I, one of my particular interests is lifestyle medicine. Um, and, you know, they used to, I, I, I see lifestyle medicine as six pillars. And I'll just mention these six pillars. So we have the feet, the fork, the finger, stress management, sleep optimization, and socialization, right? Or social connectedness. So the feet really alludes to exercise. How beneficial is exercise? And we know that exercise, especially in the morning, increases the levels of, some, of a substance in the brain called brain-derived neurotropic factor. And that has immediate, that day, downstream effects that trickle into positivity. It, affects our, it positively affects our mood, our resilience, our cognition, and that sets us up for the day. So early morning exercise, in my opinion, is one of the most vital things that we can do. The next issue about eating breakfast, now, <clears throat> I, I'm not so sure that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Right? I, think, I think you need to eat breakfast. I think you do need to eat. You need to eat regularly, and the first meal of the day is always the meal that you break fast with. But, you know, um, breakfast being the most important part of the day, well, sorry, the most important meal of the day was basically a phrase invented by Kellogg to, to sell his, his breakfast cereal. And I happen to believe that breakfast cereal represents a processed grain, which is very bad for you, you know, so but moving from aside. But, you know, eating regularly, eating a proper wholesome meal, you know, as, as regularly is really important for recovery. So that's the, that's the fork. And then the fingers, you know, it, it, I, Drug recovery is part of the fingers because it reminds us of smoking cigarettes, but smoking cigarettes is, also reminds us of all the other drug uh, substance use disorders that we have to manage. And then sleep. We need a good night's sleep. When the head hits the, the pillow, the lights have to be out. All the blue technology has to be switched off. You know, the, the iPads have to be off. The TV's got to be off. The, the phones have got to be switched off. You need a decent night's sleep because we know if you don't sleep well, the next day your resilience is lower, your ability to deal, your, your stress tolerance is, is lower. So again, you, you, your ability to say no and to, and, to, and to live in abstinence is slightly reduced. Stress management, we know that mindfulness allows us to, to increase our stress tolerance. And remember, this feeds back into substance use. So previously, we would have used drugs to manage our distress. Now we have to have something else. We need to do mindfulness. And then social connectedness. We need a purpose in life. We need to surround ourselves with people who are, as Oscar Grano said, unconditionally kind to us, but as you said, also in a therapeutic way, challenge us to continually improve every day. So those for me are the six pillars of lifestyle medicine. And that those represent behaviors that we need to engage in to actually optimize our life, our health, and also in the context of this discussion, to optimize our resilience on our ability to actually maintain recovery. That's a lot to take in, but let's talk about stress management and meditation. And you, you've said that before. This is where you come over very Buddhist. You know, you've said we can change other, we can't change other people, we can only change ourselves. Talk to me about that and meditation. Well, it's just getting, again, getting the day off, like you, you were just talking about, getting the day off to a good start. And meditation just helps ground you, helps uh, bring breathing under control um, and and clarifies thinking. 
Um, and I, you know, I can't agree with you more about, you know, maybe breakfast isn't the most important meal of the day, but it is um, an important meal. You need to eat. It is an important meal because, um, we don't want to confuse the cravings. We don't want them to come yeah. in and, and start yeah. to take over. So, yes. and I think, um, yeah, like ultimately, yeah, as I talk about a lot, looking at, looking at the solutions and, and my part in things, well, that's having the mindfulness to recognize when my body is um, showing signs of distress, when I am um, getting worked up. And so um, being able to recognize that for yourself takes time, takes practice, but yes. making, and I just hear people constantly talking about, it. I never, like not understanding mindfulness, um, never thinking meditation would be a part of their practice, but once they start to do it, they start to understand the benefits. They start to understand the ability to quiet the mind when things are getting out of control, uh, to, to, to distract themselves. Um, and I think that ultimately around the long-term behavior change and, and being challenged, and um, this is why long-term rehabs go for 3, 6, 12, 18 months, anywhere up to there, because mm. people need help. And people need support to, so, you know, to change their behaviours and to be challenged um, and to feel comfortable enough to have made those made those changes that they're set in that they're set, and they're probably a lot more likely to maintain them long term that way. Mm. So that's an important point. Rehab is not some kind of passive activity where you know you just go in and you, you know you live like you're in a hotel in a holiday camp. Rehab. The whole point about long-term rehab especially is that it teaches you skills, it teaches you techniques, it teaches you behavior that will then set you up to allow you to then set forth back into the world. And whereas previously you, 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 know, you, you can't avoid problems, you can't avoid conflict, you just can't. You know, the, the, it, it, that's the nature of human interaction. We're not going to get on with everyone. But previously, one would have descended into drug use. Now, with these new techniques, these new, these new behaviors that you have put in place in your life in long-term rehab, then hopefully you will be able to manage those same threats, those same challenges in a positive way. And I suppose the, the other point to make is that one, when, when people leave long-term rehab, that's not the end of the journey. They're not cured, you know? We don't talk about cure in substance use disorder. We talk about the journey of recovery, the day-to-day. -day. You know, when you leave rehab, you need to then search out for purposeful and meaningful connections. You need to search, search out peer support groups. You need to search out, you know, the 12-step program groups and the smart recoveries of this world. You need to have continually around you that ongoing support. And again, that is a behavior that you need to engage in. So, I mean, in my mind, this is why I think behavior is so important because we know the behavior of people who are successfully living a recovery and we know the behaviors of those who are unsuccessfully living in recovery and just on the verge of relapse. And we also know what behavior looks like in someone who is suffering from the, from the, the, in, in the middle of the depths of despair associated with substance use. And they all look yeah, different. Yeah, there's a, um, you know, you hear one of the great terms um, is being a dry drunk, you know, and yeah. it's 
just taking away the substance and not changing anything else about your lifestyle or your situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so you've got to take ownership for the situation that you're in. And yeah. look, some people have got horrible stories and, you know, but that can be just compared to the next one and the next person and the next person, you know. Lots of people have had horrible things happen. And um, But, you know, if they think that they can just keep behaving the same way, and yeah. take away the substance, then there's not going to be any change. No, there's and not. And so, yeah, in, re in, you know, in rehabs you hear the term, you know, I was, I hear a lot of people walk away saying, yeah, I needed to be broken down and so that I could, um, so that I could build myself up again. Yeah. And, yeah, that's challenging those more selfish um, styles of thinking yeah. uh, that the world owes them, so owes them something, yeah. that the world yeah. uh, is out to get me. Uh, yeah. No, everyone has shit in their lives. Shit happens yeah. to everyone. Shit happens to everyone. It's, you can't avoid it. It's what you do when that when it happens. Yes, that's where you start to make the difference. Yes. Now, I mean, you know, we're focusing on behaviors today, but I mean, another set of another concept associated with behaviors, and I, we have mentioned this before, is the halt mnemonic. So these are all behaviors that you can yep. do, rather than go to drugs. So what does halt mean again? Talk us through that. HALT stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, Tired yeah. uh, for very um, significant signs, uh, uh, things that um, add to cravings yeah. um, or can be confused with cravings. Um, and, you know, so uh, we've touched on hunger before and I think that's why breakfast is important so that yeah. you um, so that you do start the day with, with something in your stomach and, and, it, and it just takes away one, one of those cravings and yeah. um, gives you some energy to get started. Um, anger. Well, when people get angry, they one of the first instincts is to is to run off and use, is to crack the shits and just take the easy way out and go and use. Yeah. Um, and that's not what it's about. It's about facing up to the problem, facing yeah. up to what's going on, and yeah. working your way through it. And this right. is why we need the supports to help us with that too. Yeah. So, um, so, so for hunger, the behavioural solution is to eat something. For anger, but for anger, to set up a routine as well. Yeah, yeah. The, so the routine. So yeah. breakfast, lunch, dinner, so that yes. you're constantly in exactly. The, so we have that routine of behavior. For anger, the routine yeah. of behavior is to have those peer support groups around you where you can talk your way through your feelings and your anger and dissipate your anger by expressing your emotion in a safe environment in, a, in an appropriate environment rather than running off to use. Yeah. Well, yeah, and to challenging, challenge that old behavior that you can get through this by yourself. Yes. And that old way of thinking. that right. I, And that you should be able to do it. I, I should be able to get through yeah. this. I should be yeah. able to find that. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, no, we need people to talk through that stuff with too. Yeah, yeah. So the L, what does the L stand for? Uh, lonely. Right. And what, uh, what, yeah. what, what would you do before and what should you do now? Well, loneliness is something you can prepare for. You can prepare for times where you know you you might you might be alone. You know that coming up in the next few days, people might be busy, or um, so that's where you have your activities ready to go. Um, if that yeah. if that's a list of things that you might do when when things get uh, or that, or the, or the people to call, um, ex extra people to call if yeah. if that's the case. And again, that comes to well, that goes down to rather having an established therapeutic network of people around you who provide you with that unconditional kindness but challenge isn't it yeah and, and again, yeah and using that network and not, yes. not again thinking that yeah i'll yeah. get through this alone I or i don't yeah. need that yes i think because i think it's a, needs it. 
to, to my mind, I mean, it was a big learning point for me is that, is, that you, is that people with substance use disorders, they can't do it on their own. There's no such thing as a lone ranger in recovery. That's a, yeah, a classic dry drunk too, that one. Yeah, um, yeah we, we need supports. We need people around us. We need the... Yeah. We need, yeah, those people to challenge challenge our thoughts and behaviours, but we need people to point out when things are going well too yeah. and to just change yeah. our thinking and put us back into that grateful um, frame of mind Yeah, because it's and really then, easy to slip into that negative yeah, frame. Yeah. And then T, what does T stand for? Uh, it can stand for a couple of things, tired or thirsty. Right. So um, tell us the behavioural yeah. things around that then. Get a good night's sleep. So uh, it's it's often so underestimated. Um, sitting up late, watching television, then getting up late the next day, end up lethargic, mm. end up looking for something to to help boost you through the day, help help pick you up. Yeah. Um, but sleep sleep's got so many restorative powers as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and we know it, the it, lack of sleep is so de- detrimental to our health in so many ways. And the lack well, of sleep it really just... cuts it. Go on. No, 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 I was going to say it really cuts into the thinking. Um, it does. And stop, stops your ability to make um, calmer decisions. You're much yeah. more likely to make snap snap decisions when you're tired, and and that's where you get angry, and you know, and then you you can um, contribute to problems and make them worse instead yeah. of. So you 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 yeah. mentioned the snap decision. So I want to talk about snap decision, but then I want to go back up to tiredness as well. So tell us about snap decisions. How dangerous snap are they? Snap decisions are no good. They're <laughs> no good at all. They're no good. Um, at all. And, no, and well, and this is the thing. Like a, a snap decision will be to take the easy way out, and and just make make the obvious choice, make the quick choice. And usually, in that sense, you're um you're going against your instincts. You're going mm. against um your values, uh, and you know yeah. you're not you're not in alignment with head, heart, gut. And yeah. you know, I heard a great saying um during the week. It was a, I was um watching something on stoicism, and um it was uh what was it easy easy choices, hard life, hard yeah. choices, easy life. Yeah, that's true, and isn't it? And yeah. when you're making snap decisions, they're usually usually the easiest one without the consideration yeah. of the long-term consequences. Yeah. yeah. When we're yeah. when we're thinking a bit more, we'll make uh, we'll make more informed decisions, playing the tape and thinking about what might happen if we make this decision and and where it might lead. But yeah, a snap decision is just it's short term and usually doesn't yeah. end up real well. So I view snap decisions as, as, as automatic thinking, autopilot thinking, right? Now, we, are, we as human beings are bombarded with information on a daily basis, and we have to make millions of decisions every day, you know, or, or we have to make millions of thoughts every day just to get through the day. And most of them, and every thought takes, takes energy. So you have to have cognitive power to actually go through life. And, you know, cognitive power needs to be devoted to really big decisions like, am I going to use or am I going to phone a friend? Am I going to use or am I going to go for a walk? Or am I, am I, you know, and the cognitive power to say, oh, am I going to watch this movie that's on at 12 o'clock at night and not go to bed early? Because that's what I would normally do if I was drug affected. 
or am I going to go to bed early and then get a good night's sleep? Those are decisions that actually require us to, to, to expend energy. Yep. And if we don't get a good night's sleep, we wake up the next morning with reduced energy, with reduced cognitive power, and our ability to make the right decision is diminished. And then we, when we have a diminished cognitive reserve, we make we, we then tend to go on automatic pilot. And our automatic pilot, when we're affected by substance use disorders, our automatic pilot takes us in the wrong direction. Some people are lucky to have an automatic pilot that takes them in the right, decision, the right direction. They don't have to think about it. They get up at 6 a.m. in the morning and go for a run and then eat breakfast. But they've been doing it for years. Yeah? But then for people who have substance use disorders, their automatic pilot takes them off in a completely wrong direction and leads them onto a wrong set of behaviors. So these, this is why I think snap decisions are so dangerous, because we engage in snap decisions when we are at our lowest, when our resilience is, is at our lowest. And yeah. we're trying to change the direction of this automatic pilot. And the only way to change the direction of that automatic pilot is to engage in regular structured behavior. Get the habits going. Get the habit going of getting up in the morning, going to bed on time getting up in the morning, exercising, meditating, eating breakfast, getting out for the rest of the day. I often also think, you know, this is just my personal view, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I actually think that day-night reversal is a huge issue for people in recovery. What do you think yeah, about absolutely. that? Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and it, it takes time. Um, yeah. I see it over the, over, the, over the course of a week. Um, well, and actually, the, the longer a pattern uh, of use will tend to persist, um, the, more, more, the more that happens, the more the, the yeah. later into the night it goes, and then yeah. the, the later the next day they're getting up. And yeah. it really takes them time to turn around. It does, doesn't um, it? And, yeah, it involves sleeping during the day, like, you know, maybe a little nap. But, yeah, and, and it, I've seen it, you know, turn around over the course of a week. And I, I just watch the difference in people when it happens. And it's like the colors back in their face. There's, there's bounce back in, in their step. They're, yeah. they're a lot more focused throughout yeah. the day. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it really makes a difference. I mean, I know one of the things that um, they, they talk about with, um, with addiction is shift work being no good. And especially yeah. being over the, over twenty four hour periods and and yeah. that sort of thing. So you know that might be one of the behaviours that you have to change is is your yes. work. Yes. Um, yeah, you know, and yeah, you know, within a, within a lot of industries, um, this is the case. Like there's a, there's a lot of shift work, but uh, and I know within the hospitality industry it's an issue. But yeah. um, you know that there's 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 other jobs you can get. There's things yes. that you can do, and yeah. so to think that. Yeah. This is where I'm trapped, and this is my this is my existence. This is this is how I make a living. This is what I have to do. Well, no, it's not. You can actually make changes to it yeah. um, that that will be beneficial to your overall health and long term yeah. future. Yeah. So I think that's a really important point about recovery: is that you have to value routine. You have to value sleep. And unfortunately, sleep happens at night. We know that sleep best happens at night. People who do shift work just don't sleep properly. I mean, I think anyone who does yeah. shift work says, oh, I get a good night, I, I get a good six hours. I think they're deluding themselves. We as humans yeah. are naturally evolved to sleep at night. 
were not evolved to sleep during the day. No matter what people say, I think I, I fundamentally disagree with anyone who says my body clock says I go to bed at nine o'clock in the morning and I sleep un, you know, for full uninterrupted six to seven hours and I wake up refreshed. That's just, that just does not happen. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is that, well, for, for various reasons, but one point, one example I want to give is if you have a bloke who's been doing night work all his life, and he's got his routine and, you know, he, he goes off to work seven o'clock in the evening with his packet of sandwiches made by his devoted wife. And he comes back having worked all night back in at seven or eight o'clock in the next morning and goes to bed. Right. The day after he retires, he's in bed at night and he's up in the morning. That behavioral yeah. clock, you know, he's not drug affected. Right. So it is our natural tendency is when you don't actually have to do the shift work as you, you tend straight away to go back into the normal sleep at night, get up in the morning routine. I've never it's seen okay, someone yeah. who's, done, who's done shift work for 20 years maintain that shift pattern during, during their retirement or when they've changed jobs. It, 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 you know, there, it becomes a nat natural body rhythm to flip yeah. it around the other way. Exactly, yeah. Yep. So, so, I mean, there, there are lo there's lots of research about you know, just how shift work is bad for you and how our humans are naturally evolved to do you know, uh, sleep at night. I, I don't want to get into that, but that's always yeah. been the thought to me. It's, you know, the, the, guy, the guy who retires the next day, the next week, he's back into his normal routine you know, of waking. But then... Yeah, and those other things have the domino effect because once the sleep goes out, the diet goes out, the exercise yeah. goes out, yeah. and yeah. then yeah. you start yeah. looking for that pick-me-up through the day. Exactly, yeah. So that's the other important point to make. In all of these behavioral modifications that we're trying to talk about and we're trying to encourage our patients to engage in, it's like a, it's like a boat with six or seven holes in it. And it's very easy to plug one or two holes, but unless you plug all of the holes in the boat, you're still going to have water leaking and you're still going to be cold, wet, damp and miserable and you're still going to be tempted to take drugs. You've got to plug every single hole. And if you don't, then Absolutely. it just, you know, they're all interrelated. And if you don't fix the whole problem, you don't fix your recovery. And this is why it takes time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the final T, you said there were two T's, tiredness and thirst. Tell me about thirst. Yeah. Ah, uh, thirsty. Well, dehydration can just be um, can be confused with uh, with a with a craving again. Yeah. Sometimes just making sure that you you maintain hydration throughout the day will also help you maintain energy levels and um, yeah. and a more positive frame of thinking. Yeah, and I find particularly thirsty is something that people with alcohol use disorder they can't tell the difference between feeling thirsty and wanting a beer. And sometimes, it's the same sometimes, thing. sometimes I say. All right, you can have a beer, but only after you've had a pint of water. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important yeah. to maintain. Slow it all down. As you said. Yeah. Absolutely. Craig, we've run out of time. As usual, it's far too quick. Time is our enemy here. Thank you so much for your insights. Before you go, one message of hope for anyone watching this episode. Uh, that long-term uh, recovery can be can be maintained um, by staying on top of your uh, your actions within things, and so yeah, um, yeah changing your behaviours and your focus to finding solutions uh, rather than reacting to problems is uh, going to be key to long-term success. 
Craig Payne, thank you so much. See you soon. That's it for today's MedHeads. My name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong. We'll see you soon.